with the season of spring and the trees beginning to burst, I experience seasonal allergies, so I keep my water bottle nearby. And Claudia doesn't know this, but if my voice gives out, you're going to finish my sermon. <laughs> Our scripture uh, for 2022 from Psalm 46 is the familiar words, Be still and know that I am God. Will you pray those words with me? Be still and know that I am God. My mother, Cora Hershey Book, had a younger brother named Jacob R. Hershey. My uncle Jacob was a towering six feet five with beautiful thick gray peppered black hair and it was parted just perfectly evenly in the middle. He wore posh thick framed glasses. He was tall. He was really handsome. As a child when I arrived home from school I knew if Uncle Jacob had been visiting us the fragrance of his fine cigars lingered in the kitchen. Uncle Jacob was a traveling salesperson of fine jewels from New York City. He had many women friends, I was told, though he never married. Uncle Jacob was raised in the same home as my mother, a respected Hershey family in Mannheim, Pennsylvania, with siblings who were active and committed to the church, but not my Uncle Jacob. For some reason, he had chosen another path. He slipped away from family and church. He chose to join the army. And my mother and grandmother cared deeply about my Uncle Jacob. After all, he was their beloved brother, beloved son, and they prayed regularly for him, sometimes tearfully. And as a small child listening to their prayers and their conversations about Uncle Jacob, I always felt a sense that they believed the last chapter of Uncle Jacob's story had not yet been written. And they cared because he seemed lost. And also, though not stated, somehow unspoken. I sensed an awareness that we were a little better than Uncle Jacob because we were Christians and he wasn't. There was that unspoken sense that we were in and he was out, whatever in and out meant back then. It has been said that God is relentless in seeking people, that God never gives up wanders around the world with invitations to come, follow, walk with me, the creator God. And I had this very present awareness that Grandma Hershey and my mother held that same vision, that same awareness and hope for Uncle Jacob. 
Though in their minds he had lost his way, God was still seeking him and seeking that which was lost. Today's gospel story in Luke 15, Jesus tells these three stories about the persistence to find that which is lost. The lost sheep, lost coin, lost son, and each are so precious, therefore they must be found. As Jesus tells the story of the father and two sons, I have a sense that this was a respected, well-to-do family. There was money for an inheritance. There was an estate. There was money for hired help. The younger son, for whatever reason, demanded his inheritance and chose another path. He left home. He didn't follow the script of an an esteemed family. He messed up. He was an embarrassment to the family and to the community. And eventually, as Claudia read, there was a famine and he suffered with no food to eat and he yearned to eat even what the pigs were eating. And then he comes to his senses and with great humility returned to a father who had daily held hope that the last chapter was not written, that his son would return home. I wish I knew if the father prayed. I expect he did, but I am quite sure he would go to the farm lane at least once daily, looking, watching, sometimes waiting, holding hope that the son might return home. And then you could finish the story. One day, while looking down the farm lane, he sees the figure of his son, and he runs toward the son with open arms, offers forgiveness, extends mercy, and yes, calls the servants to prepare a feast and rejoice and dance with great joy. The lost has been found. A celebration party must be thrown with lots of good food and wine. But why did Luke record in one chapter Three similar stories Jesus tells of finding that which is lost. Did you notice in each story there is rejoicing when found, but there is one important difference in these three lost rejoicing stories that may help us understand why Jesus told the story. In the lost son, one person could not bring himself to rejoice with his younger brother. Dad, he said. I will not come to my brother's party. How can you do this? What about me? I worked on the farm. I did everything you asked me to do and more, and you didn't notice me. You never gave me a party. Notice the audience to whom Jesus is speaking. People highly critical of Jesus because Jesus was accepting. Jesus was inclusive. The New Living Translation says it strongly. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach, and this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such despicable people even eating with them. 
Yes, Jesus ate with sinners. Jesus forgives the adulterous woman. Jesus allows a sinful woman to wash his feet. Jesus has tea with tax collectors. Jesus takes time and honors children. Jesus even heals on the Sabbath. Jesus criticizes those who thought they were good, too good to associate with certain people. These Pharisees did everything right, but neglected showing mercy. In the story Jesus tells, he is not critical of the son who lived a reckless, colorful life. Jesus is critical of the older son critical of those who think they do everything right. They keep the law, but they do not see their own blindness. Jesus withheld judgment except for those who lacked mercy and compassion. Jesus boldly states, and this really hits, doesn't it? There is more rejoicing over one sinner than there is over all those who lived a righteous life. I'm grateful for this story. It is an invitation to me, to us, to ask where do we get it wrong? Where might I be like the older brother or like the Pharisees? Where are we in this story? And if Jesus would walk down the aisle today, what story would Jesus tell us? Where are we acting as though we might be exceptional or better than another? Thinking like we prayed in our confession today, we deserve special treatment. Alongside this biblical story that holds the mirror up for me, for us, I am grateful for the learning from those who tell us of their own failures in seeking God's way. Remember the East Africa Revival meeting uh, movement. Overseas missionaries tell their story of being called by God to go to Tanzania, where they realized they considered themselves better than the nationals. The East Africa Revival Movement brought both the missionaries and the nationals to the foot of the cross, side by side, as the missionaries were convicted of their sin of special standing before God. And the wisdom of my Old Testament professor, Peggy Knight, an uh, Anglican from England, who said, when someone we know fails, disappoints us, May our first response be to bend our knees and cry out to God, God, in your mercy, forgive me for my failures. So I wonder, where might we be partially blind or need a dose of humility? Might Jesus' story help us to see where my thoughts and ways need God's touch of grace? Might we as Mennonites, as Anabaptists, sometimes think we are the exceptional ones, we have it all together, and we are better than another? Are we guilty as Americans of thinking our nation 
is exceptional and we are entitled to all we have? Might we at times catch ourselves being critical of one another, thinking, I sure am glad I am not like that. Might we sometimes think we should be honored? We certainly did better than they. God forgive us for thinking we deserve special treatment and lead us to radical inclusion. I'm so grateful for this congregation. With God's help, we keep learning how to be an inclusive congregation in multiple ways, making space for each other, age, color, gender, disabilities. We even make space for new ways of inclusiveness with end-of-life matters. Green burials, end-of-life doulas. We make space for new people and longtime attendees white and persons of color, children, and older, older adults. I just love when our children run up and down the, down the aisle at story time or when collecting coins for Mennonite Central Committee, or when little Finn wanders around on the platform. And I dream of Finn becoming a future pastor. Or Henry, Henry, Henry's, hi Henry, Henry's back there in the aisle. Children. We invite our neighbors for a delicious free Monday night meal. We pray for each other as we tell our stories Sunday morning as Miriam Cruz will pray this morning. Today's scripture touches on the subtleties of privilege and exclusion that can so easily creep into my life, our lives. As humans, the challenge remains throughout life to humbly welcome all whom God welcomes into our lives and our community. As we continue on the journey of seeking God's way, what if we notice the people we tend to avoid and try walking toward them? Might some of us be aware that when we play the Mennonite game, we can exclude others. Some are in, some are out. Laura Pauls Thomas from our congregation challenges us to hold each other accountable when we play the Mennonite game. As we are seeking God's way, who are the people God might be nudging us to make room for. And on a broader scale, what if? What if rather than hating President Putin for his destructive acts of war, we would hold him in God's love? As Richard Weaver recently wrote in the Lancaster newspaper. During this season of Lent, as together we are reminded God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. May we be grateful we have each other on the journey and rejoice that God is relentless in seeking all God's beloved children. Let me now finish the story of my Uncle Jacob as I know it. I'm told he loved parties. And sometimes he drank too much. 
And when he was drunk, he would sing. He would sing hymns he had heard his mother, my grandmother Hershey, sing. In Uncle Jacob's last weeks, as he was ill and dying, he had time to ponder, reflect, review his life. And my brother-in-law, Don, while visiting with him, noticed that Uncle Jacob had a Bible open on his lap. And, and he was curious about faith. And he asked my brother-in-law, must you have gone to church in order to be saved? <laughs> he was seeking God's way as he was dying. And I was told that he died in peace. I, you know, I wasn't there. I don't know Uncle Jacob's last heart cry. I don't understand or know the depths of God's higher ways and thoughts. I keep reaching for it, but I, it's so deep and wide. But I have this picture that Uncle Jacob was welcomed with compassion, mercy, and forgiveness. I picture God running with open arms to my Uncle Jacob, maybe even skipping or dashing. And I don't know, I wonder, if there are parties or feasts in heaven, but I believe all heaven rejoiced. I don't question that. God's heart is a heart of merciful, compassionate love and forgiveness. Where might God be inviting me to stretch and you to greater compassion, mercy, love, and forgiveness? Amen.